The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. We are already in our fifth installment of this sermon series. Can you believe it? On 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we have here in front of us the most important teaching in the whole Bible. It is without parallel to answer really two simple questions. How does the resurrection of the dead happen? And with what kind of bodies will we receive? I want to read this to you, and then we're going to get into this together with the Apostle Paul. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You can follow along in your bulletin, starting right there at verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he is determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and stars differ from star and splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. This is the word of the Lord. I still remember meeting a man named Cracker. That's what his friends called him. And I asked, I said, this isn't racist, is it? It's not. And I shook his hand. He was there as a friend of the family, right? And we were both at a visitation, a wake for a dear family member that the Lord had taken 
to his side. And I gather the family around, like a pastor does, to share a word of the Lord together and to pray. And I had on my heart this word. It was this very word. And and I said to the family, over the next couple of days, we're going to be saying goodbye for a short time. And family and friends and the public will come and, and comfort you. But when it's all done, we're going to put this person that you love into the ground. And we are going to trust the Lord Jesus that when we plant her, that the Lord Jesus will raise her up again on the last day, a beautiful new flower. And when I said this, and there are those in this room who can testify to this, Cracker said, so we're going to plant her in the ground? And then he got up and stormed off. True story. First time, maybe the last, that someone storms off during a devotion for a grieving family. Cracker was honest, though, right? He's a skeptic, even a mocker, of the resurrection from the dead. And there was, there's always been people like that, that are skeptical that God will indeed raise the resurrection from the dead. This is not a new thing. It happened to Jesus. There, there was a whole, actually, a faction of people called the Sadducees that did not believe in the resurrection of the dead during Jesus' day. And so they actually came up, do you remember this story? With a thought exercise for Jesus to mock his belief in the resurrection of the dead. And, and they came to Jesus with, with, with this story. There, and they said to Jesus, Jesus, there was once this woman... And, and she married a brother, and then he died. <laughs> and then she married his brother, and he died. And, and this happened seven times. And they said to Jesus, now Jesus, tell us. Is this woman going to be married to seven men at the resurrection of the dead? Are they somehow going to, is she going to like share these seven brothers, and there's going to be this polygamous relationship? Jesus, tell us. Explain to us how this is going to work at the resurrection of the dead. There's always been people who mock the resurrection. Lots of different questions, right? And we could ask other questions too. We could say, well, at the resurrection of the dead, where's God going to put all the people who were dead and now alive? Where's he going to put them all? Or we could say, you know, here's a good one. How is Mother Earth going to provide enough food for these millions and billions of people who have passed away but now are alive. And, or, here's another one. This is a good one. How's God going to divide up all the property, you know, and make sure everybody gets, like, their slice of the new creation, you know? There's all kinds of questions. The Corinthians had questions, too, mocking questions. These are the, look, this isn't an innocent question. Sometimes it's, it's all about tone and inflection. You could, maybe they, some people might read this like they were honestly wondering, Gee, Paul, can you tell us, how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they come? But no, these are mockers. 
These are skeptics of the resurrection, so we need to read it like this. Paul, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body they will come? Because honestly, if, if, if the body's full of worms and, and it already decayed, we're not interested in that. You know? They're mocking the resurrection of the dead. There, there's always been people who are skeptical, people who mock the Christian faith and this belief in the resurrection of the dead. Now Jesus, in, in his response to this, this thought exercised by the Sadducees, you remember what he said? Three things. <laughs> he was super blunt. He said, first of all, you're wrong. He said, second of all, you don't know the scriptures. And thirdly, and most importantly, you don't even understand, not even close to the very power of God. The Apostle Paul has a similar response. He says, first of all, how foolish. You know, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. The fool also says in his heart, God can't raise the dead. He says, how foolish, how stupid, how how ignorant of the power of God. But then he doesn't leave it there. He actually does three things. He takes the Corinthians and the skeptics through three meditations. And the first meditation is simply this. He says, dear skeptics, in the resurrection of the dead, have you ever contemplated and have you ever meditated on a seed. And I'll invite you to do the same thing. Have you ever contemplated, have you ever meditated on a seed? I've got a lot of questions. Have you ever thought about this? Like, how does a seed know when to germinate? It's a little bit of a mystery. Because <laughs> you can have it literally sitting on your shelf for years, dead as a doornail, like dormant. But then as soon as you bury it, somehow the seed knows, oh, now it's time, boom, and it germinates. How does it do that? Some people think it's got a little tiny brain or something like that. It's a mystery. Or, or have you ever thought about this? This is interesting. How does the seed know which way is I'm serious, like, the seed somehow mysteriously knows to grow up, not down. Now, we know is up, did you know this? Through our ears. We can feel gravity. Seeds don't have ears. They have no sense of gravity, and yet somehow, scientists don't know how this works. They're not sure. But somehow the seed knows that it's not a good idea to, like, grow down. But it knows to grow up. It's a mystery. And the Apostle Paul says, like, come and contemplate the seed with me. If you bury it, somehow without our understanding at all, this brand new life will just 
shoot up. I mean, look at it. Resurrection is happening all around us. It's spring. That's meditation number one. The Apostle Paul then invites the resurrection skeptics to, to another meditation. And this time, he invites the Corinthians to meditate on the heavenly bodies, and specifically on the sun. Have you ever meditated on the sun before? I honestly hadn't until, until I started thinking about 1 Corinthians 15, but, but do it. Think on the sun. I have a lot of questions. Like, how is it that, that the sun never dims or goes out? And, and how is it that God placed it at such a perfect distance from the earth that it doesn't blind our eyes and doesn't burn us up or leave us too cold. Scientists have thought about this too. They've contemplated and meditated on the sun. Did you know that based on how the light hits the earth as it goes through a prism, we can figure out what the sun is made of? This is what the sun is made of. 75% hydrogen, 24% helium, and then 1% of other heavy metals. That's what it's made of. So we know what it's made of, but nobody can actually replicate it. I, I still haven't seen like a commercial on TV that says, we can sell you a mini sun. You can put it in your living room. It will provide the perfect amount of heat, not too much, not too little. It'll also give you the perfect amount of light, not too much, not too little. And it will never, ever go out. Have you ever thought about the sun? It is a marvelous heavenly body. Now, let me ask you this question. What's easier? Is it easier for God to create a heavenly body like the sun? Or to resurrect a body that he's already actually made before? That's meditation number two. There's one other meditation the Apostle Paul takes us through. He says, dear skeptic of the resurrection, I want you to contemplate, <laughs> this is obvious, Jesus. Now, Jesus was dead as a doornail. <laughs> we know that. He, he hung on the cross for the salvation of all of us sinners to give us forgiveness in life. Jesus was dead as a doornail. Everybody admits that, that he hung on the cross and he was really, truly dead in the grave. And then the Apostle Paul says, I saw him. God raised him up from the dead. And I want you to understand something about this. This is no normal resurrection. I, I was talking to someone earlier this week We've seen resurrections in the Bible. There's resurrections in the Old Testament. There was another resurrection by a man named Eutychus, right? In the New Testament, but those people all died again. But Jesus is, has not died again. And he never, ever will. Because God has given him 
a new resurrection, a different kind of life, and we have heard testimony to that. And I want you to understand something about this now. Jesus' resurrection not only gives power to our resurrection, but Jesus' resurrection is also the pattern of our new resurrection. We'll never die again. We're going to come back to that in just a second. So now we've had three meditations, right? We've meditated on the seed, we've meditated on the Son, and we've meditated on the Son of God risen from the dead in a new kind of resurrection that enters into a brand new category. So we can begin to answer our questions, right? They wanted to know, how are the dead raised? Can you answer that question? By God's own power. Do you see? God the Father who created the Son, God, the Father who who mysteriously and miraculously put resurrection power into a little seed, can easily raise up our bodies once again and give to them new life. It's actually a very easy question to answer. How how are the dead raised? By God's own power. Here's the second question then. With what kind of body... Will they come? Now, this is really cool. Look at verses 42 through 44. I want to give you a few adjectives, and then I want to dwell on just two of them with you. First of all, they will come with imperishable bodies, we can say. They will come not in dishonor, but in honor. They will not come in weakness, but in power. They will not be natural bodies, but spiritual bodies. Now, we, we could spend the rest of today thinking about this. I just want to think about two of those things with you. With what kind of body will they come? Now, to help you think about this, they will come, they will come, these bodies will have continuity with the bodies that we have now, but also discontinuity. You know what that means? In other words, some things will be the same. Like, we'll, we, could, we can still recognize Jesus for Jesus because he's got hands, holes in his hands and feet. But there's also going to be discontinuity, massive discontinuity. Just like there's discontinuity between a seed and a tomato plant. In other words, we've got to let our minds run with this. We're going to have these incredible new bodies that are just going to blow our minds. Now, the second word I want to think about with you is this. We will not have bodies that are sown in weakness, but in power. Power. Christians in in the past have thought about this. What does this mean? Some Christians have said that kind of like kids will play with their toys today, that people with resurrected bodies will toss mountains around as if they weighed nothing. And that the people of God will run marathons and they'll get to mile 26.2 and be like, I'm not tired yet. Oh, that was easy. (laughs) I mean, think about this. 
Think about this is cool. This is this is really cool. No more peanut allergies. Oh. I, I've thought about this with, with my sister. She's got Down syndrome. Can you imagine that the chromosome that's missing is, is then restored? You think about this, the brain cancer that you went through, the depression that you're it's all gone. No more weakness. Bodies that are powerful, incorruptible, pattern after our Lord Jesus Christ. It's time that we begin to see things differently. And that we begin to preach these truths into our hearts. And I thought about one of the impacts that, that this can make. And it's simply this. That when you go to a cemetery, and somebody is there that you love, that you would no longer see it as a cemetery. That you would see it for what it really is. It's a garden in springtime. And one day, it will be fall, and there will be a great harvest. 